Welcome to the Women in Work podcast, the show that inspires you to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. I'm Courtney Moore. And I'm Missy Branch. No matter if you're the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, on staff at your church, or a stay-at-home mom with little ones wrapped around your ankles, your work matters. And God wants to use you right where you are for His kingdom purposes. Each month, we'll introduce you to a woman who is living her calling to the glory of God. And we pray these conversations will inspire you in your own calling to honor God, to image Him to the world through your work, and to leverage your unique potential for His glory. And make sure to head to womenwork.net after the show to download your free copy of this month's Women and Work Going Deeper Bible Study. We take content from today's episode, Back to the Bible, where you will study and gain a biblical foundation for the show's topics. Along with that resource, we're thrilled to offer you the Women in Work podcast discussion questions. Our vision is to help lead you and your friends from work, your neighborhood, or church into meaningful conversation that will help you take the next step of faith into your God-given calling. Thanks so much for joining us today. Now it's time to welcome our guest to the show. Today we are chatting with Courtney Rysick, and we are really excited to hear how she thinks through her calling um, from a biblical perspective and also really hear about some of the practical ways she's managing the roles that God has called her to with faithfulness. That's right, Courtney. We're glad you're here. Um, I know that you're a mom, you're a writer, Mm -hmm. you're a Bible teacher, Mm -hmm. you have written several books. And your life is a three-ring circus. No, you're like most women (laughs) juggling a lot of hats. One of the first things we like to do is when guests come on is do a little game that we like to call Women in Work Get to Know You. Okay. It's like we ask a few questions. Okay. And we ask all our guests the same three. So are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. So the first one is, as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, gosh. I had a lot of things I wanted to be. Um. I, the one that always stands out to me is I wanted to be a fighter pilot in the military. Wow. wow. Which, yeah. Which is, if you know me, it's like ridiculous now as an adult. I have no, <laughs> I think I watch like GI Joe with my brothers or something. I have three younger brothers. And so I think I probably uh-huh. watched GI Joe and wanted to save the world. I don't know, but <laughs> I, I couldn't hang in the military. I just, I would get eaten alive. So all oh, yeah. right. Well, that lofty dream. There. <laughs> I know. Now I, just, I just wrangle kids. So, <laughs> so here's our second question for you, Courtney. Um, what was your first job? Did you have a job when you were a teenager, or what was your yeah. first real job? Yeah, I've had so many jobs. My first real job, though, was I was a plant waterer. And then, <laughs> yes, I love telling the story. I was a plant waterer in a nursery in. Um, and, and the heat of Texas in the summer, and I did it to pay for wow. driver's ed. So if I wanted to go to driver's ed, I had to pay for it. And so my dad got me a job when I was 15, and I watered plants. And um, it was the hottest summer on record in Texas. And so they, they – I have no idea how this happened, but the Weather Channel came to where we were at and uh-huh. filmed me. It must have been they thought it was crazy that a 15-year-old was outside in the heat of summer watering plants. But they took pic- image, like they took pictures of me and had me – like like showed me drinking water and watering plants and I thought I was going to be famous. And um, those are the types yeah. of jobs that build character. Don't they? they? Do. <laughs> I remember like it was, and I'm not outdoorsy at all. So it mm-hmm. was a stretch for me to be outside 
for that long that didn't involve laying at the pool. So I was, it was <laughs> yeah, that's an indication of what kind of teenager I was. But um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was good. And my parents always made me work. So, and we ha- had to, there were four kids and my parents didn't have a lot of money. And so there, it was not mm-hmm. an option that I would not work. And so I just, from yeah. then on, have always had a job. So that's great. Well, this next question is about work. Okay. So that's what your first job was, but mm-hmm. what kind of work do you see yourself doing when you're like 80 years old? Uh, teaching women the Bible. I would love yes, to just teach the Bible great. until God takes me home. So that's beautiful. Yeah. That's the thing I, I mean, I went to seminary for and, um, wanted to do and, um, the Lord's given me opportunities as I've gotten a little older and I love it. So if I could do that forever, I would. That's so great, Courtney. And so that is one of the things you do now. You uh, teach the Bible, you write, you actually have written three books, um, The Accidental Feminist, Glory in the Ordinary, and your newest is called Teach Me to Fill. And it's uh, worshiping uh, through the Psalms in every season of life. And so I'm sure our listeners are familiar with your work. And I know a lot of women um, would probably be curious of like, when did you want to become a writer? Uh, somehow you shifted from wanting to be a fighter pilot to writing. So tell us what intrigued you about writing. Why did you want to become a writer? And how did you move from maybe just say blogging to actual Mm -hmm. writing? A lot of women are in the blogging world and maybe they have a dream to write a book. How did you, what were the steps that got you there? Yeah. So I think I probably was always writing stories as a kid. And so I, Mm -hmm. in addition to wanting to be a fighter pilot, I also wanted to be a, a news anchor. And so I, which makes a little bit more sense from for personality, <laughs> but um, I would write my own news stories and then I would read them and pretend like I was reading them on the news. So, and I would write stories. I mean, I have, I have very little memory of any other subject in school besides writing or mm-hmm. like reading stories or reading books or things like that. So that just kind of is where my brain was gravitate, like where my interests were. And then in high school, um, I had, I always did better in English than I did in the math and sciences. And then I had a English teacher who was just really encouraging. And so when I would write things, she would submit them to stuff, um, which just goes to show that, uh, someone who's farther along than you showing interest in you really does make a difference mm-hmm. because it really, yeah. um, it really influenced me. And so I had a teach, I had an English teacher in high school and then I had an English teacher in college who really was, who really, I thought I was going to be an elementary ed major. And um, now I know I would be a terrible elementary education teacher, um, but I, um, I liked kids and I didn't really know what else to do. And so she said, you really are good at writing. You should, you should pursue this. And from then, I don't even know her name anymore. And I wish I did, but um, so I could thank her. But I went um, from then on, I, I changed my major to focus more on like journalism. And then eventually it was just English with a writing emphasis because I really did like literature and, mm-hmm. um, and then I got saved about halfway through college. And so my interest in writing went from writing about whatever I wanted to write about, whatever was interesting me at that, to me at that time, to wanting to write about what the Lord was doing in my life or what God was doing in the lives of others. And that's kind of where my writing interest shifted. And so then from then on, I wrote for the school paper. I wrote... When I, I went to seminary, I wrote for ministries. I worked for nonprofits and worked in marketing communications and wrote for them. So my writing just kind of grew out of, um, I wrote for anybody and anybody who let me put words together. <laughs> and so I've done a lot of different types of writing. And um, 
and about when we when I left so seminary, I continued to be encouraged to write by my professors. And so that was helpful that I knew that, okay, so this is not something I'm just pulling out of thin air. Like I, I can do this. And so, um, but I did want to write a book. I always knew that I wanted to write a book, but I didn't really know what that entailed. And uh, I was pregnant with the, my twins and I had been encouraged to put some ideas together for my first book. And I pitched it to some people and they, they turned it down. And then they kind of told me what book writing looked like. And I had just found out I was pregnant and I thought, I don't want to do this. Um, and I mean, we had tried, so we had, we had infertility, we had miscarriage. We, we had tried so hard to get pregnant that I thought this is not my time. Hmm. And, um, when they were six months old, uh, an agent contacted me because another friend of mine who's an author mentioned me to her and I continued writing articles for like gospel coalition, different places, whoever would accept them. So I blogged for a long time and I thought, I'll just do that and just keep practicing, but I won't try to do a book. and then when um, I was, the twins were about six months, someone reached out to me, the agent reached out to me, and I said, well, I kind of have this proposal. Um, what do you – he asked me if I had any ideas. And I said, well, I have this proposal, but maybe it's nothing. And um, so then I sent it to him, and he said, uh, I would like to represent you, and we can start pitching it. And that's where my first book came Wow. From. And it felt a little crazy because um, <laughs> I had twins. Um and the Lord is really gracious. I mean, your first book, most authors would say your first book has been in your head for a really long time. So yeah. that is, it's, it's hard to write it, but it's not as hard because you've just probably spent a lot of time thinking about that idea and researching that idea. And so that one came a little easier to me. And um, my second book did not. And I thought I would never write another book again after that one. Really? Uh, yeah, it was. Because wow. that, that idea was, Glory in the Ordinary was my second book. And that was pitched to me by the Gospel Coalition, by an editor there. So they asked me to write it. And so that required me to do a lot of, a lot of research that I had not done previously. Okay. And so it's just a lot of research. And typically, I think, now that I've, I've written three books and I, I think that the, for me, the best way to write a book is I've probably read 20 to 30 books on the topic prior to starting to write the book. Mm. And I hadn't done that with the second book. So it took a lot longer. It just took a lot of effort. Um, and so with my Psalms book, I had read that many books before I started on the Psalms before I wrote Teach Me Feel. Yeah. And the same with, I mean, the Accidental Feminist, I probably had, it was a, 10-year process of thinking through that stuff. So Wow. I like how along the way you kind of mentioned how you had different people um, kind of confirming, like affirming you, this you're good at this, you can do this. And then especially even after you got saved, it seemed like people were still coming around and believing like you have this gift and they saw that in you and they really encouraged you in that. I think that's really important. Oh, I think it's huge. I think it's everything. I think um, I also my dad and my brothers are incredibly supportive and encouraging of me. And so I spent a lot of time not realizing that women sometimes live their lives thinking they can't hang in a room full of men because they, I didn't know that existed. Hmm. And I, I mean, obviously I was shocked when I walked into rooms of men and realized I couldn't hang. Um, But uh, I, but I think that that was really um, helpful that I, I don't have some of that, difficulty in my family upbringing. It makes a difference in how you feel like you can do something. And I think it's just an encouragement to anyone who has some form of privilege 
to use that privilege to encourage those who don't have that same privilege. Because I don't think my brothers or my dad in any way would say, well, we're using our privilege for, for good. Um, but they, I mean, they're believers. And so they, they're acting like Christians. So I think that the Christian <laughs> yes. response is to use our privilege to lift people up and bring them to where we're at because we've been given the opportunity. And so I think it's huge to, as a teacher, as a parent, as a male or a female or someone even in like a majority culture to be able to say, um, I'm for you. And I think you have a gifting here. I'd like to notice that and to call it out. So, right. I love that Courtney. I love that because one of the things we know just about womanhood is that we tend to not naturally lift each other up. Yeah. And so we, we as Christians say it is my responsibility right. to do that. It changes the game. It does. It absolutely does. And it is our responsibility. And I think, um, it tells a better story to the world. Um, Absolutely. You know, that we're not Absolutely. doing it for ourselves. We're doing it. We're all working for the glory of God and for the good of others. Right. Well, I have another question for you because when I think about you thinking about passing on all of your privilege, but then just all of your information, discipleship and teaching, mm-hmm. one of the primary roles I know you have right now is caring for your kids as mm-hmm. a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. And you and I, I think, have a similar story in that that was never something you necessarily aspired to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, even though you love children and obviously you love your children. Yes. Um, how did you come to embrace this calling as a stay-at-home mom? Yeah, I, it was, um, in some ways it, it came to me more because, well, first culturally we, I, we came from like a, a subculture of Christianity where it was the norm. And so I didn't really think beyond doing that because that's what everybody I knew did. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my mom stayed home. And so I, I did have. I saw that I really liked that she was there. Um, Uh So that was helpful to me to have that. But I also didn't grow up aspiring to do that, even though I liked that she was there. So I don't really know what life is going to be like. Um, But for me, our, our twins were, we we had wanted so badly to get pregnant. And then it took so long that I think for me, it was just a form of gratitude. Like I, I just wanted to be home because I wanted them so badly And, um, and I had some very idealized understanding of what being a stay at home mom would be like. And so I, um, and some very like false, like dichotomy, like you, you you're either this or that you're not both. And so, um, the Lord really had to work. Like I think I had a, an understanding of it that I thought if I do this, it's an act of obedience and therefore it's going to fulfill me. Right. Well, wow. Great. So, like, yeah. Flesh that out a little bit for us. One of the things I know was my experience is that I thought Missy's life shuts down so she can focus on other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And then later on, Missy will pick up her life. How have you balanced oh, yeah. that Courtney is Courtney? Yes. But part of being Courtney is being Daniel's wife and yes. my son's mom. Yes. So that's been like a near constant struggle for me because I, I, I'm, I kind of have that same idea and that I thought if I sacrifice the most, um, then, then that's the most glorifying to the Lord. And so I, I kind Mm. of shut down any notion that I would ever want to do anything else. And so that's why I didn't want to write a book. I didn't think, um, I didn't think I could, I didn't think I wanted that. And then, I mean, I was like three months in and I was like, what is, I, what is wrong with me? (laughs) 
you know, like I, I felt a little like angsty and I mean, a lot of moms feel that way. And I think most, a lot of moms feel that way, but they're too scared to say it because they're like, if I say mm. that, then someone's going to say that, think I don't love my kid right. or I don't love the Lord or I don't value motherhood. And so I think, um, my husband actually has been, is better, has been more helpful for me than anything else. I mean, he's, he views, um, all of our roles as a stewardship. And so we're, he's a dad and I'm a mom. And so we steward that role. Um, but I'm also mm-hmm. called to write and I'm also called uh, to teach. And so we steward that role. He's called, he's in, he works in business. So we steward that role and we kind of view it in for, in terms of the primary and like, so I'm the primary caretaker, but he's just as much as, as it should be involved. And right. So, um, we've, I have had to work really hard for myself to see that to be human or to be a woman or a man is to not be the sum total of one of your many hats that you wear. And, so and so sometimes it, sometimes it means like that you don't do as much, you know, and sometimes it means you do more, but you're not, you don't get more jewels in your crown in heaven if you sacrifice the most over the course of your life because you thought that was the most godly thing to do. And I think I thought that for a long time. Um, and I still struggle I think, with it. <laughs> so, and you know what, Courtney, I believe that the kingdom loses out and mm-hmm. our children miss out on a lot when we don't allow them to see us flourish. Right. But we, um, almost mute ourselves and all that God has given us and right. gifted us with. And if you had muted yourself, we wouldn't have these three great books. So we're grateful that you listened and you started well. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, I, and also, Courtney, kind of my next question really falls um, in line with what you're saying about stewardship. And it sounds like mm-hmm. your husband is really helping you think through this. But I was kind of curious, like, when you are in the middle of writing a book or you're preparing to teach the Bible at say a conference or retreat for women, Mm -hmm. practically, you know, there's got to be give and take between you two. And, you know, I feel like a lot of women, um, you know, maybe they're not writing, but they have another something they're hoping to accomplish as they are moms. And so just on a practical note, how do you guys, you and your husband work out some of these practical issues of, even though you're the primary caregiver for your kids. Um, you know, you might in this, you know, one little season, you might be busy preparing to teach or whatever. How does that work out for you guys? Yeah, it's cause yeah. Cause like, you're right. It's not, it doesn't necessarily, it, it, a lot of people have to do give and take regardless of whether you're a Bible teacher or you're a nurse or a teacher or any type of profession that a woman would have or a man would have outside the home. Um, it requires a lot of, um, for us, it requires a ton of trial and error. <laughs> Okay. So, you know, like we're like, yeah. we often say we will walk through open doors and then we'll, we will be like, oh, well, we shouldn't have done that. You know, and we do a lot of having to work. So we, um, my husband is really, uh, he is really, really values the work of the home. And so he, I always joke that he'd be a better homemaker than me. And so <laughs> he would be a better homemaker than me. He's less stressed by these things. He is just, he can just get more done. Um, in a time frame than I can and probably, and, and it was more efficiency and better skill. And I just, I'm just not, I just don't see it. And so yeah. the, um, so in some ways it, it, we work well together because he likes it and he, and he's good at it. And so that helps. I think um, we, we do a lot of like talking through the, 
schedule when it's going to be kind of crazy and it, I'll be gone more. Um, we try to, I try to communicate like I've got this, this, and this coming. Um, when can I get some time to work on this and things like that? Most of, we both kind of just look at the work of the home as like, if you're home, then you just look and see what needs to get done. Oh, so neither good. of us really, I, neither of us really have like tasks, but like we kind of fall into certain tasks. Like I'm home most of the time. So I do a lot of the laundry, but if I'm gone all weekend, then he does the laundry. And so we just kind of view it as if you're home, then you do the task. And so, and I, I think we didn't really set out to talk about it in that way and divide it up. But I guess we just kind of share it because we both value the work of the home. And so whoever's the one there does it. Okay. Um, so what do you think about, um, maybe this, you haven't felt this, but a lot of women, you know, they're trying to do so many things and they're trying to, if they work outside of the home full time or, um, and they're trying to still be, you know, faithful moms and do all the home tasks as well. You know, I mean, you really can't do all of it a hundred percent all of the time. And so I feel like a lot of women kind of walk around feeling just a sense of guilt that they can't do it all. Um, so how would, how would you encourage these women? Like what, you know, what would you tell them? Yeah. Uh, when you said that, when you said you may have may not have felt this, I wanted to be like, I probably have felt this. I mean, I probably felt everything, but I, um, yes. I mean, I, I feel like I have, um, low level guilt for the most of the time. Um, and what I have realized is when I'm thinking clearly, um, that my low level guilt is often owing to the fact that I'm finite, not that I'm doing something sinful. Because guilt, right. if it's true guilt, then it's over then you should repent of it because it's sin. But if you just feel guilty over you didn't get enough tasks done today or you weren't able to read to your kid because you had to go do this job or something, um, then or you didn't play with your kid enough or whatever thing that kind of makes moms feel a little guilty. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's just that you're finite. And so everyone has 24 hours in a day. That's all we get. We don't get more. And we all need sleep and we all need to eat and we all need rest. And I mean, in all honesty, I hate all of those things. I hate that I need mm -hmm. those things. And I often <laughs> want to like buck up against it and fight it and, um, and so then I walk around feeling guilty that I'm not able to do the things that I set out to do. And the reality is I'm, I'm not intended to because I'm not God. And so I think that that for, for women, I think what we have to come to terms with is that, is that we are not God. And so we are going to have to depend on him to fill what is lacking in what we're not able to provide. So, yeah. Right. So if they don't um, get the tasks done, they can just rest in the Lord and say, God, I've walked in faith today. I've walked in your spirit the best I can. Yes. I didn't get yes. the laundry folded. Here's yes. my, here I am anyway. I'm yours anyway. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I have this, this list in my phone. Uh, it's called spring cleaning. Um, but I just always change it to like fall cleaning whenever I don't, you know, like, or like summer cleaning. <laughs> and then you don't feel so bad that you didn't get done. Like, I, yeah, I mean, we're, we're just not, um, and so much of, I know for myself, so much of my to-do list is, um, and my guilt over not getting the things done that I wanted to get done in a given day is arbitrary standards that God has not placed for me. That's true. So I mean, God requires us to be holy. He requires us to obey and he requires us to love others. And so, um, 
I mean, obviously there are things we should feel guilty about. Like if you didn't get the laundry folded, but you were disobedient and, mm. or maybe you were, um, like, I, th- I do think laziness is a thing. And so if you were lazy or you spent the entire day on social media instead of doing your job, then anyone, whether you're a mom or a husband or a, a an unmarried person or a man or a woman, you should feel guilty about that because you are required to be faithful in your work. You're not required to be frivolous all day on Netflix or social media. But um, but that's not most of the time why we feel guilty. Right. I don't think. I think, no. I think that's a good point. Yeah. That's good. And that's between you and the Lord. That's not something anyone can set for you. You know, like you, only you know what um, – and mo- yeah, most of the time we're not feeling guilty over true sin. Or at least I don't think I am. Right. So, well, then, Courtney, you wrote Glory in the Ordinary, right? Which is kind of, in my mind, similar in that I can look at folding laundry and changing diapers and cooking dinner as almost the same um, simple mundane as scrolling through the Internet and uh, watching Netflix. But Mm. I know in this book you were specifically trying to encourage women whose primary job is inside their home. Right. Do you see a conflict at all for you being a woman who's, who works and mm-hmm. who is advocating women in work, but you stay at home? Mm-hmm. And if there's not, if they're not at, at odds, what are some of the things you say, you would say to speak into that like mommy war that goes on between, oh, yeah. I work harder because I work outside of the home mm-hmm. and I work harder because I work inside of the home. Yeah, I think, so one of the things that, that I try to, address in the book is that all of us are workers and so that kind of puts the mommy wars to rest in that regard because the mommy wars in some ways are um you have women who work and you have women who don't work and the reality is is that if you're an image bearer of god which all humans are then you are created to work and so work compensation is a byproduct of of our work, but it's not the point of our work. And so hmm. we are created to, so like my kids don't get paid, but when they unload the dishwasher, they are working. When they clean up their toys, they are working. And we want to be, cre- we want, we want to be able to under, we have a different understanding of work than the world does because we know that God is the one who is the ultimate worker and he created his image bearers to work. And so That's that good. helps women see that all work has value and Um, I think sometimes the reason why women feel threatened by each other is because, first of all, I don't think they understand each other. So I think a lot of working moms and stay-at-home moms rarely ever, or work outside the home moms and work inside the home moms, they, they, they don't ever really talk to each other. They don't really, they're not in the same circles. They don't tend to do the same things. And so what happens is they don't realize that they really actually are very similar and they're struggling with the same things and they are, um, they are doing, uh, the, the mom who works outside the home still has to come home and cook dinner and still right. has to come home and she's dealing with the same, probably false guilt that a work, a mom who's inside the home has, but it would just look a little different. And so mm-hmm. I think what I would, what, what I really have a heart for is helping women, helping kind of bridge that gap that women, um, that all of us are workers. And so we all are bringing something um, contributing something. And so depending on your personality and your interests and your desire, some will work outside the home more than others. And I don't think that's wrong. Um, I think that that's, 
that's biblical. I think the reason why work is all outside of the home to begin with is because of the industrial revolution, not necessarily because of what the Bible says. And so the, that that's, I think sometimes we have a failure to understand history of how we got to where we're at in America regarding work. And that I think is why there's the mommy wars. It's because everyone wants to feel like they're a good mom. Right. Right. So we prop We're all looking for yeah. affirmation. Right. Yeah. And so we prop up these things of like, what is a good mom? Or a good mom is one who doesn't lose herself and her kids and goes to work. Or a good mom is one who sacrifices everything. And what I want to say is maybe you guys should talk to each other and realize that you both want the same things. And yes. I think that that would help. Um, and honestly, I really think it's a, it's a white woman's conversation hmm. uh, because, and it really bothers me because it's like, I mean, most of, I read this book on the history of work of, of housewives. And I mean, this is just not typically a conversation that women of color have have had or been able to have or been allowed to have. And so I think it's a little bit coming from privilege and maybe too much time on our hands, but. Well, Courtney, one of the things that Courtney and I have talked about is just how different perspective changes everything. I don't come from a space where being a stay-at-home mom was normal or mm-hmm. deified. Yeah. And so when I began to hear it, I couldn't even understand it because I remember being asked, am I lazy? When I told somebody I yes. was a stay-at-home mom. Yes. Yeah. And so it is, it does, a lot of it has to do a lot more with culture right. than the Bible, right. I think. Oh, for sure. And, so, and we need to be willing to be honest in that. Yes. And, and we're not, I think sometimes we're so afraid that we're, someone's going to think we don't believe the Bible. Right. You know, and, and that's just, I mean, yeah, it's cultural. It's not. So how would you, Courtney, based off of that, um, I mean, I know for myself growing up in the South, I don't know if it was ever really said to me being a stay-at-home mom is the most godly thing you can do. But that was definitely, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was actually stated, but I definitely felt that way, you know. And then, you know, you you go to Titus 2 and it's, you know, train the younger women to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, you know, love their husbands, love the, you know. So I feel like, you know, they, this verse in particular is really substantial for kind of the stay at home mom, you know, women want to honor the Lord and they want to obey scripture. So I'm just kind of thinking about what you're just saying, like, um, they, you know, what you said about being disobedient to the word. So how do you interpret this scripture and maybe talk a little bit about what you just mentioned about sort of the history, the industrial revolution and all that? Yeah. So even when, um, in Titus 2, when that was written, it, it was culturally all work was done in the home. And so a lot of work was done in the home. And so, and then going through like colonial America and just the, and even the majority of the world right currently. So the, the um, like third world countries, places like that, where people don't leave their home every day to go to the marketplace to work. And so we don't, we have this false, um, separation between what how people have historically worked and work was often very localized it was very it was your whole family was involved in it my kids and I are reading the little house in the prairie series and I mean you even look at that that the work is so home-based even even Charles is working out of his home I mean he's working in the fields his kids go help him his wife's working in the house and doing things and so everyone was kind of all together and we don't have that culture any longer. And so what, what we're dealing with in America is largely owing to 
the way we work and not owing. And so, and then, and then you had this other, other, other issue of the children were always with their parents. They were always mm-hmm. with their mother. And I do think that's, I think that's biblical. I think that's God given. I mean, most women who have to leave their children at home, very young children at home to go to work, do not have this strong desire to not be around their children. Sure. Many of them have a strong desire to have their children with them, which is why I am a huge advocate for paid family leave because we are, we have created a society that works only for men. And then mm-hmm. to yes. go and, leave. and so what we've forgotten is that we were created to work. We are created with these interests and desires and abilities. And we have a society that does not, is not suitable to the family. And yeah. historically the family has always been a part of that. And so part of the way our family works is we're trying to figure out a balance of that. And I, what, what is always so troubling to me with Christians is they take that one verse and they say that you should be busy at home and working at home and they miss the cultural context and miss that when you look at it in the scope of the industrial revolution, when, when work was taken out of the home and into the marketplace and into factories, it changed the dynamic of the home. And the people who suffer the most were the most vulnerable, the children and the women who yes. were the ones who were suffered um, the greatest. And, and men suffered too, because I think um, we were all intended to, to, to work holistically and to um, have our, I mean, kids don't even know what their parents do anymore. True. And, and so I think there's just a lot of things we lost and yeah. trying to get that back. And so I think if you don't understand history, you don't understand culture, you don't understand all what's going on, then you then you can take one verse and say, well, you shouldn't go to work today because you're not being obedient to the Lord as a godly woman. And that's just not, that's just not true. So um, instead of saying, hey, maybe we can work to make our society better to actually be more conducive to working families. Right. And I love how, I mean, there's really just so much freedom in Christ. When I hear you talk about this, I just feel like, you know, there are probably women out there who are working full time um, outside of the home and, you know, probably do feel a lot of guilt that I should be at home. I I, I would be a better Christian if I was home, you know, 40, the whole week with my kids. But um, Mm -hmm. there's just so much freedom in Christ too. And I just feel like so much love of the father for women, you know? Right. Um, so it's good. It's good to hear you say these things. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I'll, I mean, I'll admit for a long time, I totally used that verse as a heavy handed all women should stay home. So I'll be the first to repent and say that was wrong, a wrong interpretation. Me too. Um, but I know a lot of women who are just straight up tired Mm -hmm. because they're working outside the home and they feel guilty and they want to, they don't want to necessarily be home all the time. They they love their job, but they feel this, 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 they're torn between their home and their children. And I always would want to encourage them that, that those are God given. That's a God given angst that you were created to work. That's a good thing. You're created, you're created as a whole person with interest. And you were also created, if you have children, you were created to be a mother and so those, those are, they're not opposed to one another, but our society has made them opposed to one another. And that's the problem, not your interests and desires. And so it's hard. I mean, a lot of women, I think, feel torn and guilty and, mm-hmm. and I don't want them to feel that way. Um, I, I mean, I hate that. So. so Courtney, how would you encourage women to support each other? One of the things I'm a fan of, I believe in, is giving people language for what they probably didn't realize was going on. Mm-hmm. I've been, we've all been at conferences where we'll hear the women who are pro staying at home 
speak about it as if it is, I'm now living a life that's godly. I'm now submitted to God because I'm sitting at home. And then you've been at conferences or networking events or whatever, where you hear women say, I don't know how those women do it. This seems like a waste of their time, a waste of their resources. So what are the ways, how do we encourage women to support each other within the different domains? I think um, having a lot of, um, knowing that everyone's different, I think is huge. Knowing everyone, everyone's life circumstances are different. Everyone's interests are different. Everyone's capacity is different. Mm-hmm. And so recognizing that there is not, there's no one right way to be a woman. That's um, really good, Courtney. And I think that's huge um, for that's women really to not feel like they have to fit into a box. Now, obviously, I mean, there's some, like, you need to, like, not think you're a man or something. But, like, sure. I mean, we're not talking about that right. here, you know? Like, I think right. um, I think that there's there's just so much freedom. And, and, and if God is diverse enough to create people who look different, um, like, more, it, with more differences than we can even fathom, then he also created personalities with more differences yes. than we can even fathom. And um, we just need to have a lot of grace for mm-hmm. that. Um, that's so good. I love that. Because so, our womanhood is huge and diverse. That's beautiful. It is. Yeah. Well, Courtney, yeah. your latest book, uh, Teach Me to Feel, is just released. Um, let's transition to talk about this new book you've got. What spurred you on to write this book, and what do you hope women will gain from it? So it's on the Psalms, um, and I, uh, our family went through uh, a really difficult season with um, the birth of our fourth son. And where I went, we, my son and I nearly, we had a pregnancy complication where both of us nearly um, died. And mm-hmm. we, um, by God's grace, we're here. I mean, he's napping in the other room. He's fine. <laughs> um, he's almost three. Um, but it was a really traumatic season for our whole family. Um, and uh, I dealt with a, a severe depression afterwards. Wow. And probably will always deal with it to some degree. And I, the only thing I could read was the Psalms and it was Hmm. the Lord really had prepared me prior to that. I had led a Bible study on wisdom literature and the Psalms. And so I had gotten some framework for how the Psalms fit together and had grown to really love them. And so in Hmm. that moment, that crisis, I, uh, I spent all my time in the Psalms because I felt like I had familiar friends. And so from that came, this book that I um, imagine that other people have walked through, maybe not what we walked through, but a fair amount of highs and lows of the Christian life. And so I wanted to give people, uh, help them see that they're not alone in the joy and in the pain and in the suffering and in the deliverance that God has given us language for how to express um, and harness our emotions back to him um, and and find hope in, in whatever circumstance we're in. So that's kind of, they're short um, devotional type chapters on um, specific Psalms. So yeah, they deal with happy things and sad things. So my, I wanted them all to be sad because I'm kind of melancholy as a person and my editor was like, you've got to have some happy Psalms in there. (laughs) So that's great. Yeah. So not everyone is as melancholy as me. (laughs) Well, so I've been our question as we come to a close, what is one piece of advice you would want to leave with women who really are striving to honor God through their vocation, through their callings, whether at home or in the marketplace? What's one thing you would leave them with? I would leave them with um, the verse in 
I want to say it's Colossians because I don't have it open right now, where whatever your hand finds you to do, do it with all your might mm-hmm. and uh, for the glory of God. And so the work that you have for today, whether it's inside the home or outside the home, whether you hate it or whether you love it, has been given to you by God to do and use for his glory. And so uh, it's not it's 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 not a means to an end. It, it It is in many ways the point to imaging him to a watching world and your work is intended to um, to spread his glory throughout the world. And so I would encourage you to if, if, you, if you hate it, ask him to help you see the good in it. And if you love it, then do it with all your might. So that's Amen. what I'd say. Thank you, Courtney. Well, we want to make our listeners aware that um, we have provided links to purchase all three of your books um, right here in the show notes. And um, they can also find those links on our website as well. And so, Courtney, thank you so much uh, for this conversation. Thank you. you. Yeah, I really feel like women are going to, they live in these spaces that we're talking about. These kind of things, these Mm -hmm. thoughts go through their mind all day long, back and forth. And so I just, I feel like uh, some of the things you shared are going to be super helpful for them. Thank you so much. I, I hope so. Pray so. Courtney, you're a blessing. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. all. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Courtney. And thanks to you listeners for joining us today. As we mentioned at the top of the show, make sure to head to womenwork.net to download your free copy of this month's Women and Work Going Deeper Bible Study. That's where we take content from today's episode, Back to the Bible, where you will study and gain a biblical foundation from the show's topics. And while you're there, don't forget to grab your copy of the Women in Work podcast discussion questions. Again, our vision is to help lead you and your friends from work or your neighborhood or church into meaningful conversation that will help you take the next step of faith into your calling. If you were encouraged by today's show and don't want to miss an episode, please subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, take a minute to rate and review our show. And with that... We hope you've been inspired to more confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. Thanks.